offering me the option to speak. I don't really do this kind of thing very much, but I figured I could handle sharing some of my story. Uh, we have been at FCC for the last two and a half years, as Diane said. It's been challenging at times getting connected and getting to know many of you because I manage our two kids on Sunday mornings. I'm sure you've seen them running around. You could put that one picture up. Um, we're blessed with two beautiful kids who are full of life and energy, and we're incredibly grateful for them. But they keep us on our toes all of the time. So uh, we, this was our Christmas card a couple years ago. But we didn't send a Christmas card photo this year because um, it would look like straight chaos, I think, if, if we did. Um, photo number two is our straight chaos. <laughs> This is, this is the photo I wanted to send, but it would have been inappropriate. And um, it's naked Isaac post-bath on Dan, Julie slapping Isaac in the butt, I think. And this is our home. Um, okay, we don't need to look at that the whole time. But, um, but I, had, I had to share. Um, so this morning, I'll be sharing my story, a bit of who I am and where I come from, and how Jesus has formed me in all of it. Um, but before I start, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this morning that you're with us, that your presence is here, that you've brought us all here this morning. I just pray you'd warm our hearts and our bodies through your word and um, by your spirit, that you would use um, any of these stories, God, for your glory. And we just believe in your power, Jesus, and so we just ask, God, that you would, um, that you would have your way this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. I was born and raised in Fresno, California. As Diane said, <laughs> it's right in the middle of the state. I feel like a California girl through and through. It has snowed twice in Fresno's history. <laughs> once in the 1800s, and once when I was a teenager. And even then, the snow didn't stick to the ground. Let's be real. So um, Fresno is outside of Yosemite National Park, down in the valley. And it's outside of the sequoias as well, which are beautiful. Um, but Fresno is not known for its beauty. It's more known for its agriculture, Mexican food, and the fact that it gets incredibly hot in the summertime. 110 degrees is more like the average in the summer. So negative 11. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> um, it is a bit odd that with my mom, originally from New Orleans, and my dad from Charlotte, North Carolina, that we ended up making our home in Fresno. But um, a job called my dad there, and the rest is history. <clears throat> I have an older brother. He's about four years older than me. We were raised Catholic. <clears throat> I attended Catholic school my entire upbringing. It was what I knew. My mom came from a strong Catholic family, and it was passed down. We attended Mass every Sunday. We knew the Gospel. Um, but it took time for it to grasp our hearts. Um, my mom went to a Bible study fellowship, 
and BSF, if anybody knows that. And she began to grow in her understanding of faith. And a bit later, I found myself at Hume Lake Christian Camps. It's up in Kings Canyon National Park. It is, it's a special, beautiful Christian camp up there. And this is the first time I was around a Protestant crowd. People were singing to Jesus with fun kids songs, with arm movements, you know, kind of like a VBS. <laughs> and I don't remember much about that week. It was, it was a blur. It was a long time ago. I was 12. But I remember being in a bunk bed and telling God, if this is real and you can be in my heart, then I think I'd like that. And I believe that's when God truly began a good work in my life. God knew that my family was headed into some stormy years and that we were going to need him. Over the next few years, my dad was forced out of a partnership at a CPA firm, which resulted in legal action and left him unemployed for just a, a brief time, but it was still difficult. <clears throat> and my brother began struggling with addiction. My brother was severely bullied for a few of his high school years. He's um, not the biggest guy. He's, he didn't get the tall gene, unfortunately. He's kind of my height. And um, he was in the wrong crowd. And he accidentally slept with another guy's girlfriend. Accidentally. Um, one day, my brother picked me up from school. And as we neared our house, we encountered our neighborhood full of cars. It was suspicious. And as my brother turned around to drive away, we were followed. Two cars chased us for a few miles. And then they pinned us in. It was my brother's bully and his group, his posse, and they were determined to beat my brother up. I was 13, and I was frightened to my core. My brother had me get out of the car and run to the nearest home for safety. This was before anybody had cell phones, really, in their cars. Most of you remember that. Maybe not. An older woman answered the door at the nearest home and allowed me to use her phone. She was a gift from God that day. And as it turns out, a whole group of students from the high school had swarmed our neighborhood with steel-toed boots and video cameras just to watch my brother get harmed for a mistake he made. It was a very frightening experience for me. Um, but because of a few amazing people, including one of our neighbors that day that told the group to get lost, uh, my brother remained safe that day. However, for the next many years, my brother continued to struggle with addiction. It was very difficult watching his rebellion, anger, pain, and watching my, my parents' sadness in it all. I didn't think I was ever going to get emotional, but then I think if my mom watches this video, <laughs> it's, it was hard watching my parents as my brother went in and out of treatment centers, um, lots of recovery centers. It was difficult. <clears throat> as I headed into my sophomore year of high school, I had the potential to walk down similar paths as my brother. I desired popularity, I was a cheerleader, I wanted to be invited to parties and liked by boys. But the summer before sophomore year, 
a friend, a fellow cheerleader, called me and invited me to join her at Hume Lake Christian Camps again, the camp where I had years before asked Jesus into my heart. I was bored that summer and eager to do something different, so I joined in. And that, something, that summer, something shifted in me. I watched as friends raised their hands to Jesus in praise, and I knew that they had something that I didn't fully understand yet. So that week, I got down on my knees and asked Jesus to lead my life. He was in my heart, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't understand what it actually looked like to live for Christ at that point. He had chosen me as he chooses us all. But that week, I chose him back. When I got home from camp, I was ecstatic. I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. I probably came off really strongly to some, but I didn't know any differently. I was just so excited. I was really excited to learn scripture, and I read the whole Bible cover to cover. I soaked it all in. My family continued to attend Catholic Church at that time, but I was in search of a youth group, so we ended up beginning to attend a Baptist church instead, where there was a very large youth group. I was really interested in learning and growing. I, I went all in. I joined the prayer team. I did weekly Bible studies. I got baptized. Anything to understand what it looked like to be a disciple of Jesus. And that youth group helped keep me on this firm foundation that God was building during that time. <clears throat> God knew that my family in those years needed an anchor, and so he gave us a place to belong and a church to seek help as we needed. In my early college years, a good friend of mine invited me to a vineyard church, a very charismatic denomination, which was a completely new world for me. It took me a while to be comfortable in a relaxed worship setting, especially since I was initially raised in a strong liturgical Catholic church. I remember the first time someone prayed in tongues over me. I sincerely thought he was speaking Spanish. Since he was Hispanic, I was completely clueless. It was really a stretching time for me, but I soaked it all in. It was in this church, this vineyard church, where I began sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him in a more depth environment. I began to let Jesus seep into all the places in my heart and mind. The verse that came to mind is in Luke 10. Uh, sisters Mary and Martha had Jesus over to their house. So let me read it. Luke 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, why don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I know a lot of us have heard this story before, but the part that took hold for me was less about reminding us to stop being busy, 
but more about remembering to sit at the feet of Jesus. Because we could stop being busy and still not sit with Jesus. So Jesus said, only one thing is needed. One other aspect of my faith that grew a lot in college was my heart to minister to impoverished places. I took a class on urban ministry in college, mainly because there was a cute guy. Um, but, <laughs> but God used it to move my heart towards ministering to the poor and disenfranchised. I spent a summer doing urban ministry in Washington, D.C., and I began to think about ministering to developing countries internationally. I had only been to Mexico on a missions trip in high school, but I got connected to a different missions group, and I signed up to go to South Africa right after graduation. I fundraised, I did all the prep to go overseas, and I was very excited but nervous to travel that far away. The leader of our group was another gal, and as we were preparing to go overseas, um, she and I had relational clashes. We just continued to not really see eye to eye. Looking back, I honestly can't remember what that was about. But as we neared the day to leave, I found out that she had not fundraised enough to go on the trip, and they asked me to lead it. And it, as it turns out, the coordinator for the missions group knew that I was going to lead it all along. She said, God had told her. What? <sighs> he told you, but he didn't tell me. <laughs> I was totally and completely caught off guard and scared, leading a group of college students to a foreign country that I'd never been to with foreign currency and making sure everyone came home safely. <laughs> I mean, yikes. But it ended up being an incredible opportunity for me to lean on God. I had very little resources, no idea what I was heading into, actually not knowing where we were going to stay when we got there. I mean, nuts. nuts. Um, I remember that we flew with cash strapped to our bodies. I mean, we didn't, or like, we have so much cash, what are we going to do? Put it on our bodies. This is a terrible idea. And, um, uh, and we encountered our, our first issue before even getting on the plane. But God met me every step of the way. As a team, we would pray and debrief every night together. God would speak to us and tell us what to do the next day. We trusted him for provisions. And when we ran out of money, which actually happened, God helped us gather exactly what we needed. We served a church there in Durban, South Africa. We prayed for people. We did service projects. And it changed all of our lives forever. We surely made mistakes. And as a leader, I was far from perfect. But God was my firm foundation. He was my guide when I stepped out and said yes. Couldn't have done it without him. After that, I traveled to Africa and South America a variety of times in my 20s. I loved learning from other cultures, um, helping AIDS patients in Swaziland was one of my favorites, and learning how to see everyone through God's eyes. I decided to leave California and drive across the country with one of my best friends 
and head to Philadelphia to get my master's degree in international development. The first church I visited in the Philadelphia area is where I met Dan. I knew pretty quickly that I wanted to do life with him. He sought the Lord, as you know. He was responsible and respectful. And if you didn't know, he's a good dancer. (laughs) Very, very important. Before we got engaged, I had to finish my master's work by living in Bolivia for a few months. This was another step I took where God was my firm foundation. Leaving Dan to go overseas was really tough. It created a lot of anxiety in me. Anxiety that I didn't know was there. Upon arriving in Bolivia, they confiscated my passport for various visa reasons. That's a good story for another day. And it was the middle of the night when they did it, and my Spanish is no bueno. So it took legal counsel and many weeks for me to get my passport back. It was a trying time for other reasons as well. I lived with a Bolivian family that was not Christian, and the young adults partied, drank beer, and danced all night. I ended up getting bacterial infections, and I just wanted to go home so that Dan and I could get married. (laughs) But I would sit outside in the hammock at this Bolivian home, anxious, and God was there with me. He was faithful in every moment, meeting me in all of my weaknesses and covering me with his grace. He gave me another um, American family in that time that I could go and pray with and talk to. They... um, They are a beautiful family ministering in Bolivia, um, and I am grateful for them to this day. So Dan proposed when I finally made it back to the U.S., and he got down on one knee at Hume Lake Christian Camps, the place where I had surrendered my heart and life to Jesus for the first time. There we are. (laughs) I'm... Julie was like, are you screaming? I'm like, no, I'm laughing. I'm happy. Um, Yeah, so it was surreal, but a beautiful picture of God's love for us. One of our family-themed verses now is Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Lord is good and was good. Moving across the country and getting married are two very big events. And it caused me to begin to really struggle with anxiety and fear in a whole new way. I knew that there was a lot of perfectionist tendencies in me. Those tended to cause fear of the unknown and striving for control. So as anxiety kind of grew in me, the Lord continued to meet me. Sitting in worship one day, I saw an image of a garden. And I know many of you have heard about my garden before, but I saw an image of a garden. It was like a vine growing on a door, and I could tell that there was a lot more there. So over the next 10 years, when I would get anxious or need a word of encouragement, 
God would remind me of the garden image. Each time I would sit with the Lord, the garden would grow and expand. In the garden, there's a lake, a fountain, a throne for God, and a gravesite too. The grave area is where I go to lay things down so that God can recreate them. I meet with different parts of the Trinity in different seasons in the garden. Some days I need to know the fear of the Lord. And so sitting at the throne of grace is really powerful. I'm not sure what I would do without this place to meet with the Lord. The garden has become a part of me. When I was pregnant with Julianne, and 42 weeks along, <laughs> we went into a semi-emergent C-section. And I'm laying in the OR, and I looked at Dan, and I asked him to go to the garden with me, take me to the garden. I knew that I needed Jesus right then, as we prepared to meet Julianne, so that Dan, Dan helped me fix my eyes on the Lord instead of sitting there scared. And lately, a new area of the garden has emerged. There's a big tree, and God put a swing on it. He asked me to swing with him, to feel joy and delight like a child. For some of you, my garden may seem foreign or weird. I get that. But I would encourage you to sit with the Lord and ask him to take you to a place of peace where you can learn from him and get to know him better. Because after all, he is the one we hope to spend eternity with. So why do I tell you all my stories? Well, they're parts of my life, my journey, and I've been shaped by all of them. Every step that I've taken, God has been faithful. He's been my firm foundation. He's readily accessible to us to teach us, to grant us wisdom when we need it, which is often. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, that wind last night, my gosh, and it beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. I long to build my life on that firm foundation. I'm growing and learning every day. I have a long way to go. But I always remember how far I've come. The Lord is willing to be that foundation every time we step out. He's willing to catch us if we fall and bring us to a spacious place. Every little or big step you take with God is walking you closer to your calling, moving you into a place of peace, joy, and hope. Is God calling you to take a step towards him today 
or with him today. I've seen God's faithfulness in all of my stories. And I'm so grateful that he called me to know him. He's answered my prayers that I didn't know were possible. My brother is sober today. And I am forever in awe of all that God can do when you choose him. As I close, I wanted to share one more word of encouragement. As I was preparing for today, I felt like God reminded me of a famous line by Tony Campolo. If you don't know Tony, he's a passionate preacher with a heart for urban ministry. Um, He has a famous sermon called, It's Friday, But Sunday's Coming. Maybe you've heard it. For the record, he probably is not the first person to coin this phrase. But it's, it's a fun video. If you get a chance, you could Google it. <clears throat> and, and Tony, if you've ever heard him speak or um, seen any of his videos, they always say, don't sit in the front row because he spits so much. <laughs> I, I have seen him in person before. And, and, and the front row is usually empty because he's so passionate. And, and so they say, don't sit in the front. Um, but I cannot begin to impersonate him, so I won't try. But um, the point of the sermon, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, <clears throat> is that when Jesus died and all hope was lost, it was Friday. But the devil and all the world didn't know that Sunday was coming. So he, he's impersonating a friend, and he says, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. I can't do it justice, but. <laughs> but Sunday is here. Sunday isn't just coming. Sunday is here. I was born on Good Friday, as it turns out. And after a difficult pregnancy with me, my mom was super ready for me to come into the world. But when she remembered that it was Good Friday, she got anxious. So she called my grandmother. And my grandmother said, Good Friday is a good thing because Sunday was coming. We need Friday to happen because resurrection life had to come. So I felt led to just say that to remind all of us, myself included today, that we're called to be Easter people, people who know that Jesus is alive, people who hope because Jesus is alive. We are not stuck in Friday. Sunday came. Sunday is here. Let us live with the joy, grace, mercy, and resurrected life that we've been given. So, if God's stirring you in, any, in anything I said, taking a step of faith, trusting him for something in particular, or maybe you feel like you're stuck in a Friday season, but Sunday is coming, we would love to pray for you this morning. Um, first, we're going to have one more song by the, the girl band, and then um, we'll have, can I say that, girl band? The best girl band. Um, 
we'll have one more song, and I'll, we'll do a benediction and close, and you're free to leave if, if you are, um, need to. But we would love to offer prayer. And so a few of us will be up here willing to pray for you for any of the, these things. Thanks for listening to my stories. Um, yeah, God is, was in all of them. So thank you. Thank you.